Hey everyone, welcome to Evil Pudding, a true crime podcast. I'm Courtney. And I am Patrick. And welcome back to our regularly scheduled podcasting. It's not a Pat-a-sode, it's Courtney-sode today. Yeah, it's back to your regular fucked up ass serial killer Very, shit. very much so not today. Not Pat's weird Mm-mm. fucking paranormal bullshit. However, I do, I do have our next prison episode in a couple of weeks I'm doing. Is it going to be next week? No, no I mean, no, no. week after next. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. I got you. A couple of weeks I'll be doing. Yeah. A, so we're bringing back. Episode. Yeah, we're bringing back. We're doing a prison series, so we're going to keep doing prisons until we can prison no more. <laughs> yeah, and I love this one because it's another one that's near. Don't give near it away. Close to my heart. I'm excited. It's fucked up too. Is it? It's pretty fucked up. Good. I like that. We like that here. We have a couple of announcements. Announce away. Okay. One. Thank you guys for 3,000 downloads. We cannot believe it. Like, it's just insane to me. I know it might not be a big number to some podcasters, but like, we we didn't expect that at all. I know. And we've made like so many friends along the way. It's crazy. And it's genuine friendships, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. It really is. It makes me kind of choked up to talk about. We just see each other succeed and do well and do better. It's pretty awesome. What's crazy to me is like, I, I, I'm myself on here because I I really have always been kind of odd and (laughs) and and just people I feel like loved and it's just like I know I'm gonna cry but it 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 just makes me feel really grateful for you guys and I really appreciate y'all each and every one of you 100% it makes my stone cold little heart very happy Well, it's like you said, it's, you know, you've had some of these less than, I wouldn't say weird, but they're less than normal interests, right? You've always been interested in serial killers, yeah. criminology, the, a little bit of the macabre there. I the found my stuff. people. You can be yourself in here. You don't have to like You hide. too. That's why, I mean, you and I, one of our first date was to a graveyard, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, we're weird like that, but we just both can be weird like that together. So exactly. And with that said, we... People have been like talking about us making merch and we really want to do that. We're going to kind of dip our toe in it conservatively and we're going to make stickers first and then we'll, we'll progress from there. So I was thinking about it and actually Tracy Daly, shout out Tracy Daly. Um, he was a guest on here. He said, well, why don't you upload some graphic designs and have your followers pick so I'm going to do that. I'm going to upload to our Instagram and our Facebook, and I'll have Pat upload to the tweeter. Um, the tweeter? Some do the tweets. of the designs that we have come up with. Um, M3, M Cubed podcast, shout out to them. They actually came up with one design for us. They helped us out. So um, we'll upload that one too. And y'all can pick. If you want one, you want all. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what people like. Then we'll put them up, and then you know we, we've been talking about maybe a T-shirt or a beanie at least because I rock the shit. If anybody that doesn't know, well, most of the people don't know me in real life, but I fucking wear a beanie almost every day. And we, we know. God dang Texas, where it's 105 degrees. And everybody I still wear knows. A beanie. So. Every picture we post of you, you have your stupid beanie on. It's not stupid. <laughs> it's like, the same beanie. I I only have one good one. You have several. No, I have several beanies. I have one that I really like. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get you another. You're a fucking hater. You're a fucking hater. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I hate your beanies. <laughs> the fuck? Kidding. What the beanie ever do to you? 
<laughs> Nothing. I'm gonna. I always tell people I'm gonna hide it one day at work. I'll just buy more. I know you will. <laughs> okay. Uh, we saw the movie Nope. I'm gonna give my recommendation on that one. <laughs> Fucking nope. I thought that the acting was wonderful. The actors were, they were really, Like, they really carried the freaking movie. Good. I would have walked out if the they were anything less than what they were. was just awful. Yeah. I'm not going to give any spoilers. We went and see it because it was Jordan Peele, and everybody knows he did Get Out, and um, what was the other one he did? I can't remember the other ones he did. Really good movies. Was that Us? Us. 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 Yeah. Really great good movies. movies. I'm such a fan. This plot was just one of those ones where they took a, I think they took a shot in the dark or they went out on a limb with the plot line and it fucking was Well, horrible. it's one of those movies that you either love it or you hate it. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. It'll I can like, see how some people following. would love it. Some kind of a cult following to it. I really can see how some people would love it. It's very outside the box. It's very, it's just, it's not... Uh, my cup of tea, no. but I could see the appeal of it. But it's like, we talked about it, and it's like um, some of the M. Night Shyamalan movies that he did. I hated them. I the love the way the story went and how they the ended. Village. It was just so weird. Like, the and it's so funny like, because you freaking hate the village, and I love it. Like, I, spent, I loved the village. I, you know what? I was so invested in that movie. We're way off topic right now, but I was so invested in that movie with the creepy ass shit running around in the woods. And this is a spoiler because it's like 20 years old. Then they hop a fence and they're on a fucking highway in Pennsylvania. Like, oh, this shit was all fucking fake. Like, what the fuck? I thought it was insane. I love that movie. It was like, so I, anticlimactic I to me. Really? I just when thought it was just mind-blowing. Like, like, oh, they're just in a colony that makes them think they're in the 1700s, but they're really not. Like, it's But he's stupid. another one of those, I think, genres that you either love or you oh, hate. Oh, he is by far. Everybody either likes him or hates him. But I've liked everything he did to, yeah. to this point in the horror genres. Yeah. I mean, his comedy stuff that he did was amazing. Oh, he's just talented all around. So definitely, you know, see it, judge for yourself. But I mean, we weren't, it wasn't like our cup of tea. The acting Um, was phenomenal in it. So yeah, I think that's all the announcements really we have. So you want to hop into it? Try not. You got to hop into it because I I don't have anything. You even turned your monitor so I can't fucking see it anymore. I know. I'm tired of you peeking. You peeked the whole time I was doing it. No, I didn't. I couldn't see. I tried to. Well, you're blind as a bat. <laughs> I am blind as a bat. <laughs> okay. So I'm happy to announce that this is part one of a two-part series. Mm. <laughs> I've had requests for multi-parters, and Patrick finally gave in. Together, we wore him down. Good job, soldiers. <laughs> I hate multi-parters. I know you do. No one cares. <laughs> but this one had to be a multi-parter. You'll see why. I'm just going to jump right into it, and I'm doing things a little bit different today. So, trigger warning right up front. I'm just going to... I don't know why we say that every time. No, I'm going in cold. I'm going to raw dog it. No lube. Let's go. Ready? Damn. Okay. So, I want to switch things up a bit and start off with one very sick man's confession of a horrible crime that he and his partner claim to have committed. Okay? Okay? So, right now, this is a confession. And it's not pretty, so just bear with me for a moment, then it'll be over. Two notorious serial killers traveling down Interstate 20 in Texas spotted a young couple of motorists, a young man and a young woman, stranded on the side of the freeway. Their car had broken down on this fateful day, and two kindly men pulled over to assist them. They were an odd-looking pair, but they offered to give the young couple a ride, so who were they to judge, right? In their time of desperation. By the way, you should always judge. 
In an effort to be cautious and protect his girlfriend, the young man approached the Good Samaritans first, ahead of his girlfriend, and he held up his hand to give the two men a friendly wave. But before he could even open his mouth to greet them, the larger of the two passengers pulled out a gun and shot the boy square in the hand. The second five shots were aimed at the boy's unassuming head and torso, killing him before his young travel companion ever had the opportunity to scream. The smaller of the two men sprang from the car and apprehended the young girl who was in a complete state of shock. As she stood screaming and struggling to free herself, her captor wrestled her to, wrestled her to the ground and began to assault her sexually. As she fought with all of her might, she could clearly see and hear the larger of the men brutally raping her boyfriend's still warm body directly behind her. Ugh. Yeah. After the young woman had served her purpose, she was killed as well. The bodies of the young couple were dismembered and scattered here and there as the drifters carried on driving from state to state. So I just had to get that story out of the way up front. Now, the story I just told you is allegedly true. A little bit confusing, right? <laughs> yeah, you got me all fucking confused right now. Who would make up such a sick story? Let wow. me let me explain. A lot of serial killers would. Today, my dear friends, we are talking about the serial killer and serial confessor, Henry Lee Lucas, along with, with his protege and partner in crime, aptly named Otis Toole. I believe that's actually it's Otis Tool. I'm sorry. You pronounce it Otis because there's two T's in it. Otis Tool. Yeah, he's a fucking tool. That's- he is a tool. If we take what Henry says at face value, we would have to believe, get this, that Henry is responsible for upward of 600 murders in the U.S. Yes. He confessed to over 600 murders. Of those 600 people, only a few of these victims are known for sure to be victims of Henry. So yes, Henry is definitely a serial killer for sure. But 600? Out of those 600 confessions, 213 cold cases across America were declared solved, and Henry was thought to have been guilty. Just Henry. Then, Otis confessed to helping Henry kill 108 people after that. So either he is a serial confessor or the worst serial killer that has literally ever walked the earth. Yeah, but we've we've also seen a lot of these serial killers overinflate their numbers, right? Because it's all about the oh, ego, yeah. they're mm-hmm. egotistic. Like they're all like they always. Every one of them is like they were found in, or charged or what or linked to like sixty murders, but they could be upwards of one hundred and twenty or whatever the well, fuck it is. If you stay to the end of part two, we're going to see his motives. Uh, so oh, he's got motives. Oh yeah. So why did he confess to all these horrific murders? Fame. Well, in 2019, Netflix released a documentary that you may all have seen called The Confession Killer. I won't lie, I found it super boring, like super boring. But it did tell the baffling story of what happened after Henry was taken into custody. I watched maybe two episodes before my ADD kicked in, and then I just had to like research it myself, you know? Read a million books and searched the interwebs. Yes, but you do I that. Do. You, you do that, especially if you don't like the format yeah. of, of this. Like if you, Horrible format. I've seen you so many times watch a format like that, and you're like, I hate the format. You just go off on your own tangent. But if you like the format, you'll watch the whole thing and then do some research. That's just who I am. (laughs) But trust me, guys, what happens after this creepy crawly is arrested is mind-blowing. 
you'll have to like pick up your jaws off the floor. It's going to not only make you hate Henry, but also hate the authorities back then. It's crazy. And if that's not enough to hook you, just wait till we get to Otis' tool. Other than being a fascinatingly horrifying creature, he confessed to possibly one of the most famous formerly formerly unsolved murders of the 1980s. A murder that was actually pinned on Dahmer. You may know him at one point. Hmm. But before that, let's do what we do best here at Evil Pudding and learn far too much about a deranged killer. Far too much. Henry Lee Lucas. Shit, I don't ever want to remember <laughs> that I do. Along with his sicko sidekick, Otis Tool. And side note, real quick, I will be using the word allegedly a lot, and it gets annoying, but I have to be honest allegedly. and let you know, allegedly, let you guys allegedly know that due to some super shoddy police work, allegedly, we are left with taking the word of a deranged psychopath killer as opposed to cold hard evidence. Allegedly. Allegedly. So just bear with me and let's get this party started. Allegedly. Also, <laughs> as you well can probably guess, I am not covering all 600 murders. <laughs> I, I'll give some highlights here and there. But <laughs> we'd be here a while. But, I mean, if y'all want me to, whatever. I, I, I can't take that much fucking death and dismemberment. No. Just a little bit at a time. Little doses. So, as always, we look at the childhood of these disgusting killers to see if there were any red flags, so to speak. There were. And there were definitely red flags with Henry. Again, that's if we are going to believe everything he says. It's hard to know what is fact and what is fiction with this guy. But, again, like it, I'm sure this dude's worse than some most of the other ones when it comes to that stuff. But every single one of these dudes, you can't believe 90% of the shit they say. No. I mean, fucking Bundy. I will tell you this. Oh, porn made me fucking murder people. No one cares, Bundy. Um, I do think that he was fairly honest about his childhood. I will say uh, my opinion, and I've I've spent a long time with him. (laughs) I think that he was fairly honest about his childhood. Okay, so here we go. We do know that Henry Lee Lucas was born on August 23rd, 1936, in a very basic log cabin in rural... Montgomery County, Virginia, a small town called Blacksburg. And when I say basic, I mean that the floors were dirt on the ground, no electricity, no running water. This is crazy. So some reports say that Henry was the youngest of eight children, and some reports I read said that he was the youngest of 30. You know, Blacksburg is not a small town, right? Not anymore. It was back then. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fucking Virginia Tech. Well, this is 1936. Virginia Tech wasn't back then? Maybe, but it was very small and very rural. Where as, soon he as, you said that, as soon as you said that town, I was like, I know that fucking town. Back then, it was very small and very rural. Because yeah, you'll see him go to Richmond and stuff like that. So. I can see that. I mean, it's, even though it, it's big now, it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Well, he lived, I mean, it was just acreage and schoolhouses and stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Without the school there, without the college there, there's fucking nothing. Nothing. For hundreds of miles. So some reports said, like I said, that Henry was the youngest of eight children. And some reports I read said he was the youngest of 30. You didn't catch that before. Sorry, did you say 30? Yeah, 30. I was in the middle of drinking my beer. It kind of caught me off guard. Ouch. So by the time Henry came around, it was made very clear that he was very much not wanted. (laughs) Well, if you have 30 fucking kids, I don't want about 26 of you, so... Just <laughs> Henry's parents, Anderson and Viola Lucas, were very poor. 
and they earned a very meager living by prostitution and bootlegging alcohol. Anderson was also known to be a horrible alcoholic. Both Stop of, sampling the product. Both of his parents were on the older side, too, when they had Henry. I couldn't find how old Anderson was, but Viola was 51 um, when she had him. So she was up there in age when she gave birth to her bouncing baby boy. So they definitely didn't have 30 because she'd have been 51 after her 30th kid. So she's literally cranking one a year out. Mm-hmm. That's I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that happened. Who knows? Now, feeding their children wasn't exactly number one priority in the Lucas household. In fact, it was said that Henry could often be seen as a baby gnawing on the wooden chicken coop outside because he was so hungry. Or he was fucked up. Later on, it would be determined that Henry suffered several different types of poisoning to include lead poisoning from ingesting such large amounts of pate as a baby. He also suffered what's called cadmium poisoning from ingesting the chicken droppings and pesticides that were stored in the family's little plot of land. Now, I had never heard of cadmium, but effectively, it's a naturally occurring metal. Mm -hmm. But when ingested in high amounts, it's highly toxic and can affect the lungs, kidneys, and bones, and other organs, even the skin. And this is crazy. But by the time Henry was old enough to walk, these poisons had caused him to absolutely reek, like smell. He had a rotten scent to him. And till the day he died... It was always said how vile he smelled, no matter how much he bathed, which is sad because it wasn't his fault, you know, as a child. No, no, no. Along with being poisoned, Henry would later be determined to suffer from grand mal seizures since early childhood, although he never received any medical treatment whatsoever for it until much later in life. The Lucas children never saw a doctor or received any regular medical care growing up, if at all. No, it makes sense. This is kind of rough, so strap in. (laughs) Now Viola, who was a prostitute, didn't leave the house to meet her Johns. Her pimp brought them straight to the house, so she worked from home. And please remember, there are eight kids, and this is a small, maybe one-bedroom cabin. According to Lucas in his later testimonies, his mother would entertain her clients right in front of him and his father and siblings. Not a wonderful way to grow up. Very sad. It's also worth mentioning that Henry would later recall that his mother would rent him out as a very young boy to her clientele for extra money. Mm. Henry did have a really kind elementary teacher, however, who would give him clothing and food when she saw that Henry was hungry or in need of clothing. Well, when Henry would come home wearing new clothes, Viola would rage out on Henry. She was known to slaughter some of his favorite pets, For instance, she slaughtered his favorite goat that he played with on their land. Or she would beat him over the head with chunks of wood. What the fuck? And because she loved to torment him, she would even force Henry to wear frilly girly dresses to school. She would even go as far as to rolling his hair into pin curls before he left. Wow. And this was, of course, he didn't want that. I mean, he was crying and it was awful. This, of course, was garnering the attention of every bully in town that there was. So it's just beyond cruel. In fact, Viola ruled that household with such an iron fist and made such efforts to emasculate the males in the family that one night Anderson, Henry's father, just had had enough. So he got drunk and decided to just go for a walk to escape his wife for just a bit. 
Well, at some point, he tripped and fell on the railroad tracks. I assume he passed out drunk, you know? And his legs were cut off by a passing train. Hmm. He did survive the accident, however, but according to Henry, from that point on, poor Anderson just sat in the corner of the house unable to move. And they didn't have the money to access a wheelchair or anything like a prosthetic limb or anything like that. So with this sad existence, Henry claimed that his father just hobbled out into the snow one night and drank himself to death. Whether or not this was an accident or he just gave up and did it on purpose, it's hard to say. We he don't probably know. did that shit on purpose. That's a miserable-ass life. Yeah. Henry also would suffer quite a few childhood head injuries. And what do I always say about serial killers and head injuries? <laughs> well, I mean, mom's beating They go head hand in hand. Oh, it gets worse. So, if you've ever seen a picture of Henry Lee Lucas, won't you look one up real quick, Pat? If you've ever seen a picture of him, you will know that he is missing an eyeball. So, here's what happened. Okay, when he was young, he was play fighting with his brother. They were using their pocket knives and playing swords when Henry was stabbed in the eye. Some accounts say that this was with a knife, and some accounts say that they were using sticks. But either way, Henry had something sharp lodged in his eye. His mother came out and responded to Henry screaming in pain, and she just simply yanked the sharp object out of his eye and never got it treated. Now, he did not lose his eye due to this accident. Oh, jeez. He did lose it due to an infection that set in due to lack of treatment. Okay, yeah, yeah. Now, his eye was only ever looked at by a doctor... When Viola's pimp came to the house to find a young Henry concussed and in a coma from a beating that he had received from his mother. The boy had been knocked unconscious with a, uh, and had a cracked head and exposed skull when they le- and then left outside for a total of two days. Two days completely passed out unconscious, left outside. Luckily, this pimp, a man that Henry knew as Uncle Bernie, found it in his heart to convince Viola to take Henry to the doctor. It was there that his eye had to be removed, just because the doctor saw it was so infected. Of course, Viola used her charms to explain why Henry's sad state was just an accident, so the authorities never got involved. What? Who the fuck can explain that away? Yeah. I could go on and on and on about this abusive and horrific childhood that Henry endured. I think that this was one of the worst cases of child abuse I've come across, really. And if any of this is true, even just some of it, I'm not in the least bit surprised that Henry grew up to be a psychopath, unfortunately. Yeah, whether that's a, he just became a monster or all the fucking brain damage he has just right. broke his brain. And no one ever stepped in for him. And I'm not condoning his behavior as an adult, but we feel sorry for the child, right? Yeah, so we always say we don't we don't give them an excuse as an adult, but as the child, it's not the child's fault that he's going through this shit. Exactly. So to add to this horrible upbringing, as you can imagine, things were no better for him socially. He was brutally rejected by his peers due to his awkward nature. He smelled, and his lack of two eyes. I was about to say he's only got one fucking eyeball. Just kids are dicks in general. So if you're different, they, you know, they're they're going to pick on you. They're even worse to you, yeah. So he was horribly bullied. Once puberty hit, Henry looked to his brothers to learn what to do with his growing sexual urges. And in this case, that couldn't have been a more horrible idea. So fair warning for this next part. It's rough. So his brothers loved to go hunting. 
not just for food, but to molest the critters they would catch. And Henry soon started to do the same, and he loved it. In fact, Henry found that he became the most satisfied, if you catch my drift, when the animal was in the process of dying. So we have a burgeoning necrophile here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm speechless. Yeah. Not just animals, but they have to be dying or dead animals. Mm. Your face right now. I don't. Told you it was rough. Yeah. And we haven't even got to the rough parts yet. (laughs) How is that not the rough part? He's fucking, (laughs) fucking half dead animals as they're dying. Animals. Bunnies and stuff. Yeah. It's the kind of critters. I just, yeah. It was awful. Awful. He's just disgusting. Vile people. Family gross so it was around this time that henry dropped out of school he, busy fucking bunnies he, <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard to get your math homework done will not make a t-shirt that says that <laughs> <laughs> i want a t-shirt that says too busy fucking bunnies please no <laughs> <laughs> so he he dropped out of school so this makes it so he had about an eighth grade education but he had his sights set on other endeavors along with molesting forest creatures, of course. He started burglarizing houses and stores around Richmond, Virginia. Now, for the first time, a 15-year-old Henry had some pocket cash, and this made him just a little more appealing to the ladies who never would have given him the time of day before, right? And this brings us to Henry Lee Lucas's first alleged, alleged murder. I thought you said girlfriend. I was like, who the fuck would date his ass? <laughs> no. So Stinky McRabbit fucker over there has got some cash and people want to hang out with him now? I doubt it. Stinky McRabbit fucker. <laughs> so 15-year-old Henry, 15, and an unknown, unidentified 17-year-old girl went back into the Blacksburg woods. Now, whether or not this was his girlfriend or not, it's hard to say. But either way, he claims that once alone in those woods, she refused to have sex with him. And when he made a move on her and that enraged him. So he choked her to death before taking his time and violating her corpse, of course. Henry went on the record to state much later, quote, this is a Henry quote. I had no intention of killing her. I don't know whether I was just being afraid somebody was going to catch me or what. That killing was my first, my worst, and the hardest to get over. I just couldn't take what happened. I would go out sometimes for days, and just every time I'd turn around, I'd see the police behind me, but they never did bother me. And he was right. He was never arrested for this alleged crime. However, this confession can be linked to the disappearance of a 17-year-old local Blacksburg girl named Laura Burnley. She went missing about the same time in that same area that Henry claimed this crime happened. But unfortunately, we cannot say for sure there was no body. You know, it was in the woods and that was a long time ago. The animals that he hadn't fucked yet probably ate (laughs) Exactly. Also, since Henry cared so little for his first victim, he couldn't even recall her name. Like he killed her and he couldn't even recall her name. Henry would get arrested the following year in 1952, however, for the first of many times, but not for murder, surprisingly enough. He was faced with several burglary charges after a string of home invasions. And for these crimes, he was sent to juvenile detention, a juvenile detention center called Beaumont Training School. 
According to records at this school, Henry was an asshole of a student, and he tried to escape numerous times. Despite his efforts to escape the all-boys reform school, Henry later admits, however, that he didn't hate the school. In fact, it was the first time he had ever had direct access to hot meals, running water, and electricity. So this was like the Ritz-Carlton I was about to say, like, he's probably getting, like, real food now. Exactly. Regardless of his new and happy living situation, Henry was released in the fall of 1953. His release papers cite that, quote, we feel that Henry has reached his maximum adjustment here at the school. In other words, Henry was reformed in their opinion. So Henry is out of that reform school now. He's not even 18 years old. And he decides to bounce around from relative to relative's house. If you're wondering, it doesn't seem like the Lucas clan is filled with a bunch of upstanding people. So it's not like he was being judged harshly by his family in crimes, you know? They don't care. They don't care. It was during this time he claims to have allegedly raped his 12-year-old niece while staying at one of those relatives' homes. Again, this is allegedly. He worked a few odd jobs here and there as a manual laborer so that he'd have money for cigarettes and booze. However, he wanted that quick money again, so he went back to his old no good thieving ways. That eventually caught up with him, and he was arrested again in 1954 after being caught breaking into a home. He had just turned 18, so instead of being a juvenile, Henry was tried as an adult and sentenced to six years in the federal pen, even spending some of that time being on a chain gang, which that's some hard work. Explain a chain gang for those of you that don't know. Pat will know what that is. Not because he's been to prison, but because he's a cop. No, I mean, well, most people know the chain gang. It's you see those videos where they're out. I mean, it's it's, it's manual labor, but the nickname Hard. chain gang comes from you know they're out there. They're cracking. chained up, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're basically chained. They're like a daisy chain. So like you have a, a chain around one of your ankles or both of your ankles, and it's connected to the next person, which is connected to the next person. So it's literally like that sucks. You move in a chain. Uh, you can do it around the waist too with waist harnesses, but. Yeah. They, they basically are outside chopping wood or busting rocks or putting a railroad down. Like all day. Yeah, like eight hours a day or 12 hours a day or some shit. So on this so-called chain gang, Henry met a friend, and they actually concocted a plan to escape, which they did, surprisingly. And I say surprisingly because Henry was like grade-A stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They stole a car And they drove that car all the way to Ohio and then to Michigan before finally being apprehended and returned to prison. It was during this time, back in prison, that Henry was fitted with a glass eye for the first time, which is crazy to me. Like, he's 18. And he had gone all this time without being fitted with a glass eye. That's nuts. But in doing this, this improved Henry's appearance greatly. He was still ugly as fuck, don't get me wrong, but a little less so, you know? It even stopped infections from settling into his eye, which it often did. And that always caused a smelly, milky white substance to drain from his empty eye hole. I was about to say, there was probably a medical reason behind it, which is what, like, he has medical care in prison. Yeah. Which I really never had before. Mm-hmm. And I was going to, I was thinking that to that exact point, right? They're not just going to give him a glass eye to do it. It would have to be for medical, which is for, yeah. He's to stop socket. infection. Yeah, if he's got yeah. an open socket, it's going to get infected. Yeah. So with his new and improved makeover, Henry became active sexually with other men in the prison. It was said that he was actually quite popular 
among the other inmates. And he seemed to, he did seem to enjoy sex with both men and women. So he was bisexual. But all of the while he was getting his needs met on the inside, he was actively looking for love on the outside. He loved to have pen pals, various women pen pals. Henry began writing to various women through the prison pen pal program. And one woman caught his fancy in particular. And we only know her as Stella. That's all we know. Okay. Just Stella. Just fucking Stella. Just Stella. I mean, would you ever admit to dating Henry Lee Lucas? I- I'm going to go ahead and say no. Yeah, not only That's because my he's answer. a serial killer murderer, but because he's a stinky animal fucking Have you goofball. seen a picture of him? Yeah, he looks ridiculous. <laughs> like Frankenstein. By 1959, at the age of 23, Henry walked out of prison once again due to overcrowding and set off to Tecumseh, Michigan, to stay with his half-sister, Opal, and meet his new bride-to-be for the first time in person, Stella. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot to add that in, that he proposed to her via letters. Sorry. I, I don't even understand how people get engaged over letters. Yeah, so they were engaged. They were pretty serious. Like, I, I don't know your bedroom habits. I don't know if you fucking fart all day long. I don't know shit about you, but I like your letter. So let's get married. Yeah. I mean, she could just walk around the house farting all day long. and That, that ain't cool. Well, I mean, that's probably an upgrade for Henry. I mean, he had bunnies <laughs> before. <laughs> probably makes him smell better, too. Gross. So the good news of Henry's release and his impending engagement reached his mama, Viola. She's <laughs> still alive. And she was not a happy camper. She's like 75 at that point. See, his mom had other plans for him. She was older now, and it's not exactly like men were lining up around the corner to pay her for her services anymore. So she was determined to bring her youngest son, Henry, back to Virginia with her to provide for her and take care of her. (laughs) Bitch, you hit me in the head with two by fours. (laughs) I know. So Henry and Stella were out at a bar. Um, Henry and his girlfriend, Stella, were out at a bar in Tecumseh uh, celebrating their engagement when Viola arrived at the bar and caused a big-ass scene. Despite Stella trying to be the bigger person and greet Viola warmly, Viola just wasn't having it. Mm. Viola called Henry and Stella every name in the book, and she demanded that Henry say his goodbyes to his little whore, that's a quote, and return back to Virginia with her. And this ignited a rage in Viola, and she, he said no, and this just pissed her off to no end, and she began to beat her son in the middle of that bar. Stella tried to intervene, and Viola just knocked her to the ground as well. She's like, you want some of this? <laughs> She's like 75. I know. Just hit her in the hip. <laughs> the bar's bouncer finally intervened and had to drag Viola kicking and screaming out of that bar. So that night, Stella left Henry. Like, Bye. That's your I mom? I don't need this shit. That's your mom? <laughs> Talk about a monster in law, right? Yeah. So Stella left Henry, and I mean, can you blame her? So, I mean, who'd want that? Henry returned back to his sister's house where his mother was staying and went to bed with the intention to sleep off, off you know, all the booze that he had had. The following is what Henry claims to have happened next. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Henry woke up about a half hour after he went to bed to his mother beating him over the head with a broom. A broom. Okay. He claimed to have rolled out of bed to get past his mother while she was still actively beating him. 
he claims to have reached out. (laughs) Sorry, this is so stupid. He claims to have reached out and slapped his mother in the neck. When I I read, I had to read that a few times. Slapped in the neck? Okay. Fuck slapped someone in the neck. When I first read that, I thought, what? Who slapped someone in the neck? Well, then I just kept reading. (laughs) He claimed he didn't know this, but he had an open pin knife in his hand when he slapped her in the neck. So what he's basically telling you without telling you, because he's a pussy, is that he stabbed his mother in the neck. How do you... Yeah, but how do you slap someone while having a pain? He in didn't your hand? want to admit to stabbing her. So he said, I slapped her in the neck because he's a pussy and can't admit. Oh, what he's she's about the only person I'd be like, all right, good, you killed her. So, yeah, he's just not man enough to admit what he's done. To her, but he can do it to every, he can admit what he did to everybody else. Henry left his mother slowly bleeding to death while he fled the scene, hot wiring the nearest car that he could find, and he was gone. Now, this is kind of odd. <laughs> He drove through the night all the way back home to Blacksburg, Virginia, spent the night alone in his old empty childhood cabin, half expecting his mother to meet him there. He would later say, then he decided to just turn back and go back to his sister's in Michigan. I I think he honestly did think that his mom was still alive and that she was going to get all pissed off and drive back home, you know, and maybe, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I think it was a mommy issue with guilt and shit, too. Probably. Henry made it as far as Toledo, Ohio, before the sheriff pulled him over on outstanding warrants. They then informed him that he was being arrested for the murder of his mother, Viola Lucas. Back in Michigan, he stood trial and was charged with second-degree murder. He was then sent to Southern Michigan State Prison, where he was to serve a max of 40 years and would be eligible for parole after 20 years. But this time in prison would not be as easy for Henry as the last time. It would be far more traumatic, actually. And if he wasn't already a hardened criminal before he went in, he sure as hell would be by the time he got out, as we often see, right? So this time around in prison, Henry hit a bit of a rough patch. He started hearing voices. The voice of his dead mother, and she was taunting him and trying to persuade him to kill himself. Oh, lovely. His first attempt at suicide, he tried to hang himself with his bed sheets in his cell, and he actually hung there for 20 minutes before being cut down by a patrolling guard. He didn't do it right. I was like, he definitely didn't do it right. Yeah, the knot was loose, so he was just struggling for 20 minutes. The second time, he tried the same thing, but was cut down two minutes into his attempt. This warranted him being transferred to Ionia State Mental Hospital. He's going to a psych ward now. And it was here that he would endure some pretty unspeakable atrocities. Well, that's where most of these things, most of these horrible things, prisons are bad, but you're talking about the 1950s and 60s. Mental institutions. Mental institutions were like, fucked up. Yeah. So when he was asked by doctors why he tried to kill himself, he said it was because his dead mother told him to. And they were like, oh. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Let's get you this nice little padded room over here. Yeah, exactly. So in an effort to treat Henry's hallucinations, he received a seriously extensive regimen of sedatives and other mind-altering drugs to keep him calm while he received several rounds of electric shock therapy. 
mm-hmm. which unfortunately was very a very a very common therapeutic used back then. He, that's what they used. They treated everything with that. Like I'll just shock you to fucking the shit out of you. Like no, it doesn't work like that. Okay. Yeah, the shock therapy apparently also would trigger Henry's grain mal seizures, which had plagued him since childhood. So yeah. his already feeble mind was now beyond just more broken than it had ever been. But the doctors didn't see it that way. They now saw Henry's new, more laid-back and mute personality as, quote, compliant, claiming that he was that much closer to being reformed. It's working. It's so working. when you lobotomize someone, you're like, oh, it's amazing how they're so much better now. Like, exactly. You fucking turn them into a vegetable. <sighs> In fact, just 10 years, 10 years into his sentence, Henry was informed that he was being released. Released. It was such a surprise that even Henry argued that he wasn't even supposed to be up for parole for another 10 years. Henry is quoted as saying, quote, I'll kill again if you let me out of here. I swear I'll do it. And they're nah, like, you're good. Nah, you're good, bro. Go on. You're good, potato. Give him Go a slap ahead. on the ass. Get out here. However, Henry was released on August 22nd, 1970. Later on in his confessions, he claimed <laughs> that as soon as he was let out of Ionia, he allegedly encountered two teenage girls. Like, within sight of the hospital, he encountered these girls, like, at a bus stop. He lured them off somewhere private, got them drunk, strangled them, and violated their corpses for hours before stealing a car and leaving town the next morning. Like, he spent the night with their bodies. Well, he told everybody he was going to kill again, and he didn't fucking wait. Later on, Henry would recant this confession. However... In that particular area, during that particular time, there are far too many missing person cases to say that it's out of the question that he committed these crimes. It's definitely altogether possible and likely, so we can't say yay or nay, you know? But what is known is that in 1971, Henry would tangle with law enforcement when he tried to unsuccessfully abduct a 15-year-old girl. Luckily, it was unsuccessful. Yeah, that one. This did, however, earn him a four-year stint in a Michigan prison when police found he was carrying an unregistered pistol. But it was in prison that Henry went looking for love again through the pen pal system. This is this is the shit that pisses me off about all these stories. Mm-hmm. Like, this kid did fucking three years mm-hmm. in juvie, was reformed. A year later, went right back to prison for fucking six years. Yep. Then got sentenced to fucking 20 for murder. Now we're talking about his third strike as an adult, fourth strike as a child for a violent crime, trying to abduct a kid and get charged up with an unregistered weapon. And we're just like, meh. What we're going to see here, because it's a time period, you mem- you know, because this is the the um, time where s- states didn't talk. <laughs> there was, yeah, yeah, there no. wasn't that system. But what you're going to see down the line when he does some really horrible shit, he gets like a slap on the wrist a few months because it's in a different state. And they're like, oh, you're a first time offender. So fucking stupid. Oh, it's it's infuriating is what it is. Because you think if they had talked back then, how many of these serial killers would have just never continued doing what like they did? Like Bundy did. It was the same deal like with Bundy. This would pretty much be shut down right about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were, you were in jail for murder, and then you got right as soon as you got out, you tried to abduct someone and got picked up with unregistered weapons. You're back in for the rest of your murder charge. Yep, exactly. Because it's still that charge still carries. You're, you're out on parole technically at that point. You're released on parole. Well, he went looking for love again and found it with a pin pal, a woman named Betty, who lived with her two teenage daughters. Oh, fuck. 
in Port Deposit, Maryland. So in 1975, when Henry finished his sentence, he went straight to live with Betty and her two teenage daughters. Fucking fantastic idea. What are you in prison for? Oh, I'm trying to fucking abduct some teenage girls. Come live with mine. You know he lied to her. Well, no, he was in there for weapons charges. That's all he says. Yep. Within months, the couple were married and settling into married life in Maryland. Betty soon found that Henry would go missing for days at a time doing God knows what. She could overlook that, along with Henry's heavy drinking. However, she couldn't overlook what she discovered next. According to Betty's daughters, this will come as no surprise to you guys, Henry had been raping them. Their mother even found evidence of this when she was changing her girls' bedding. Disgusting. Betty kicked Henry out and, to my knowledge, unfortunately, never pressed charges. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm calling the motherfucking popo. Oh, I would, too. Because you just he got might, out of prison and you showed up here and start assaulting my daughters. He might have threatened her, too. Who knows? With you know? what? I don't know. I don't know anything. This is all we're having to take his word. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, what? What is she? Fuck you. Threaten me. You're still going to prison. You just got out for the fifth, fifth time. Yeah, I wouldn't even trust that he would stay in prison anymore. So Henry spent months and months drifting from state to state after Betty kicked him out. He was effectively a ghost. There are no records of his whereabouts until the spring of 1978, until he would meet Otis Toole, and they would begin their infamous friendship. So before we get into their reign of terror, let's talk about who this Otis guy is and hold on to your asses because he is something else. All six foot, eight inches of him. Can we just... I'm sorry. He's pissing me off. His name is fucking Otis. This Otis bullshit. It's Otis. Because it's two T's. It's fucked up. I'm calling him Otis from now on. I don't I don't like it. Okay. It's pissing me off. You can do that. I'm just going to call him Tool. Tool. <laughs> fucking Tool bag anyway. So Tool like is his it. name. So... Otis Toole was born March 5th, 1947 in Jacksonville, Florida, and his family life wasn't much better than Henry's. In fact, it may have been a little bit worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like the Lucas family, the Toole family were impoverished, and they were also all really bad alcoholics. Otis was a very sickly kid. He suffered from severe epilepsy from a very early age. Also, I find it really odd that both him and Henry both suffered from seizures. I, so I find it, yeah, I find it really odd that both him and Henry both suffered from seizures. Like, that's quite a coincidence. That's a huge coincidence. You'll see more coincidences. Quinky dinks, if you will. After doctors made the epilepsy diagnosis, absolutely no effort was made to treat him. Partly because the disease wasn't understood at the time and partly because his parents just really didn't care. An IQ test was also administered to Otis, and it was discovered that he had a very low IQ and a mild mental disability that was thought to have been brought on by brain damage due to these seizures. That's what they thought back then. I they highly have, they doubt They had no idea back yeah, then. They, they didn't know. Shit up. However, the family took this diagnosis and said, you know what? This must mean that you're possessed with a demon. And they were serious. Very logical conclusion. That's the first thing that came to my mind. I mean, duh. The kid has seizures and is basically, you know, mental deficiencies. So fucking demon. Duh. <laughs> Probably the fucking chupacabra calls it. The chupacabra. The mothman's in his chupacabra mind. Chupacabra did it. 
So not that they cared enough to pursue any kind of religious cleansing. They just really didn't give a crap about their sons. <laughs> so they're like, you're fucking possessed. That sucks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. I just wanted to clarify that, that they didn't do shit. They just said, you're fucking possessed. Yeah, all they did was, much like Henry Lee, Otis's mother made it painfully clear that she did not want him. And she said that she had desperately wanted a girl and not a boy. So... She dressed him exclusively, not just as punishment, but exclusively in hand-me-down dresses from his sisters and even wrote in his gender on school records as female. Yeah. She demanded that he go by the name Susan, in fact. And by the way, Otis did not identify as a female when he grew older, so he did not want this. This was just something she did to be a bitch. He abhorred this treatment from his mother. The abuse did not end there, and it just actually gets worse, a lot worse. Otis's dad liked to get with other neighborhood alcoholics and hang out. So he started pimping out five-year-old Otis to service these sick, drunken men sexually at five years old. Wow. Five. This remained little Otis's reality for years. It was said that Otis's mother looked at him as a whore, and in return— treated him with absolute disdain because she was a devout Christian woman and wouldn't have a whore son. How, like, but what? <laughs> but wouldn't take care of the demon? So one day when Otis was running away from the abuse he was suffering at home, he fell through the rotting floorboards of his family's front porch and a rusty nail went through his skull and stuck there just two inches from his brain. Head injury. Alert. His mother pulled it out without giving it another thought, and this caused his already frequent seizures to become much, much worse. In 1957, Otis's father just abandoned the family, leaving him to bear the brunt of his mother's growing wrath alone. Luckily, or unluckily, Otis's grandmother intervened and took him in. Now, you think things were weird. You think things were weird before. (laughs) No, okay, it gets worse. Just wait. (laughs) So back then in Jacksonville, Florida, it was a very rural Christian community. Not so much anymore, but back then. But Otis's sweet granny belonged to the Church of Satan. (laughs) She was a devout Satanist who looked upon Otis as a gift from the devil. She took his epilepsy as a sign that her grandson would one day do great works in the name of her dark lord. Well, he did. Otis Otis claims that he, from then on, was raised in a household filled with satanic rituals that he took part in to include required self-mutilation, which could later be corroborated by the very distinct patterns of scar and markings on his body. According to uh, the book Trust Me by Ryan Green, which I'll link below, Otis claimed to have allegedly performed human sacrifices at a young age, as well as bearing witness to cannibalistic feasts, which he, which was meant to be an inversion of the Christian sacrament of communion. However, there's no evidence to support any of these claims to be either true or false. So it's so a reach. These two, these two dudes are just running around telling fucking stories. In 1959, Otis was 12 years old, and it was around this age that he did in fact learn that he preferred men to women. Okay. Otis shared these feelings with his friends and siblings, and it's safe to say that his homosexuality was not well received. In fact, he was beaten on the regular. 
remember this was before the 60s. It was in the late 50s. So closed-mindedness was running rampant. Like, you know, you just didn't come out back then. Otis, not wanting to stay at home, learned to love to take refuge in many of the abandoned houses in Jacksonville. So he's a squatter. Yeah. Okay. He's trying to escape abuse. Yeah, he's trying to find a safe place to stay. I don't blame him. Now, although Otis loved the solitude, he found that these old rundown houses got really cold in the winter, so he would set some fires, like little ones, to keep warm. Well, one time, one evening, a fire that he set got out of hand, and the whole house burned down. Instead of scaring a young Otis, this excited him. In fact, Otis found that these fires aroused him. So before long, every house that he squatted in, he would set fire to. He later claimed that the fires were more the reason he liked to stay in these abandoned houses than the shelter they provided. So in 1961, Otis dropped out of high school. Not that he really attended or did well regularly anyways. No. And he began a life of petty crime and eventually turned to prostitution at the tender age of 14. Mm. 14. Lovely. A child. Like, yeah, literally. <laughs> as you can imagine, the world of prostitution, especially gay prostitution in the late 50s, was not kind to Otis. Because you get all these men that are in the closet and trying to, you know, take their rage out on these poor boys. 100%. And it's just, it's not a good world for a teenager. It's not safe for any of the men involved, you know? It's not a good world, period. He had to grow a very thick skin. And it wouldn't be long before he would commit his very first alleged murder. And it would be a doozy of a murder for a 14-year-old boy. Let me tell you. Oh, my Lord. Okay. So... He committed his first murder a year before Henry did. Henry committed his at 15, and Otis committed his at 14. They're just a fucking match made in hell, aren't they? And wait until you hear about Otis's first murder. But first, let's take a quick break. And we're back. Welcome back. Had to get a beverage break. To hell. Bathroom <laughs> break and a fucking psycho break from these two deranged motherfuckers. I know. You ready? Coco's not ready. She's not To talk this. about Otis's first murder, Coco. Coco's looking at me like, what? Coco's our dog, by the way, doing? if you're new here. What is mommy doing? She, is she helped me research. She knows all about it. She's not, a fan. I don't think she's having this one. She's a little more active than she normally is. <laughs> so, one night... While young Otis was working in Jacksonville, remember he's 14, in case you forgot when I said it three minutes ago. 14 years old, okay. He was picked up by a traveling salesman. Otis got into the man's car and immediately the man sped off with him like he was in a hurry. This alarmed Otis, even though most of his clients weren't ever nice to him. Yeah. This one, Otis said, scared him. Like something felt really wrong with this guy. About 10 minutes outside Jacksonville, in the middle of literally nowhere, the man pulled the car over and slammed Otis's head on the dashboard, causing Otis to become dazed and lose his breath, you know? Oh, yeah. He then forced Otis out of the car onto the ground and onto all fours in front of the headlights before brutally raping him. It's awful. When he was finished, he tossed a handful of coins onto Otis's back and started to make his way back to his car, 
stopping right outside the driver's side door to light a cigarette. Otis hurried up and jumped into the driver's seat before his attacker could. He slammed the car into reverse, then back back into drive before flooring it and hitting the salesman. Then Otis put the car back into reverse and backed up over the motherfucker. <laughs> Can't I mean, really be mad at that, I guess. So far, we've had two murders in this story that I'm not really too mad about. Yeah. I can't say I'm really angry at that one either, but it's it's pr- brutal for 14-year-olds. <laughs> but he's endured some brutal shit. So. I, it is brutal for a 14-year-old, but what, you know, in the circumstances and what just happened to him and the way it all went down. Oh, yeah. He was raped. There, and there's, there's, there's rage right there, right? So you're... There's years of rage, pain, trauma. It's all accumulating, and it just hit a boiling point. It hit a boiling point, and it's never gonna. He fucking, he fucking snapped. Yeah, and he's never gonna unsnap from like here on out. So Otis then put the car back in park and got out to go and get his pants and make sure that his attacker was dead. And he absolutely was. He was a literal pancake. Like he he did good. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm uncomfy. Yeah. That's all. That. Okay. I can tell by your laugh. It's not your happy laugh. That's your like, oh, this is awkward laugh. <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> so. You brought us here. What the fuck? This is where I have some concerns. So far, not that I condone killing. You have some concerns now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you haven't fucking had any to this no, point. No, no. Okay, um, okay, so like he killed an asshole that deserved to die in my opinion. I get that. I get that. I don't conserve condone murder at all. This is what this is where I have some concerns. That scares me. Otis wasn't done with him. I knew it. Otis realized that the man's dead body spawned excitement inside of him, kind of like the fires, so he masturbated over the man's corpse. His first ever murder victim, solidifying the relationship between violence and sex in the boy's mind. Well, oh, that was probably done when he was a child or earlier. I mean, that was done with him being a prostitute and when he was a child and what just happened to him. It's been part of it. They've been equated. Afterwards, he robbed the man of whatever cash he had, got back into the vehicle, and drove back into town, abandoning the car in an abandoned parking lot. And this was the beginning of Otis's killing career. Otis went on to live the life of a vagrant prostitute for the next three years before being arrested in 1974 at the age of 17 for loitering. After his release, he stole a car from literally right around the block from the prison and spent the next four years undetected, a ghost, as a drifting, panhandling prostitute. No record of him. Then in the spring of 1978, the stars would align so that he would meet Henry Lee Lucas. Separate, each of them were vile monsters, but together they would go on a killing spree, the likes of which would make even the most seasoned murderer recoil, I would think. Like, they fucked up, you know? Yeah. Big time. On their own. So imagine how bad they are together. They're fucking horrible. So let's talk about how these two met <laughs> and what happened next. So various sources offer some very different accounts. But what we do know is that at some point, Henry Lee Lucas stole a relative's vehicle in the late 70s. And by the spring of 78, he had somehow made his way to Jacksonville, Florida, the birthplace of Mr. Tool. The birthplace of the Tool (laughs) Bar. 
It's still widely speculated if Henry had been murdering during these travels before making it to Jacksonville, but I tend to believe that he was. He says that's he just, was. That's what well, he says he was, but I think that he was. Hard I, to believe that yeah. the urges just randomly stopped for three years. Oh, for sure. Again, all we can do is speculate, right? That spring, Henry found himself in Jacksonville, flat broke, and standing in line in a soup kitchen. And at this soup kitchen is where the two would first lay eyes on each other. Otis immediately caught Henry's eye. He was 6'8", his one good eye. (laughs) (laughs) It's a one eye. That was mean. He was 6'8", very soft-spoken, and the two just immediately clicked. Six eight's really tall. That's a big dude. It's a big but dude. my my thing is like <clears throat> Yeah, he's like, ooh, you know, he's bisexual or whatever. He sees his dude, he's like soft spoken, six eight, okay, catches my eye. What did the one eyed stinky did the one eyed stinky dude catch his eye? Otis was way more in love with Henry than Henry was with Otis. We'll put it that way. Like Otis thought that Henry was God. But he was a stinky one eyed weirdo. hmm Okay. Just- Have you looked up Otis yet? What he looks like? No. Not much better. If you hear a squeak, it's my chair. It's not me farting, I promise. I can't sit still, so. I think between the two of them, mm-hmm. they had six teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Look- Other thoughts? He's looking now. It looks like Borat. No, he doesn't. Borat? Henry does. That's oh, Henry. The taller one's Henry? Well, Otis is sitting down in that picture. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Henry looks like Borat. Oh, yeah, it is Henry. He's got one eye. He looks like Borat. Otis looks like some shit out of a Rob Zombie movie. <laughs> he does. Looks like Captain Spaulding without makeup. He does. Okay, so so Henry is bisexual. He just found Henry just found it absolutely fascinating that Otis was just openly gay without any apologies. So I get that. That's appealing, which is something that he had just never experienced before, especially back in those 70s, days. You know, makes yeah. sense. It's very rare you're going to yeah. come across someone that's just like, that's Fuck openly. It, I'm gay. You know what I mean? Fuck it, I'm gay. That's what it is. So after the two spent time together, they were both surprised to find out how much they had in common, <laughs> other than both being sexually sadistic murderers. I was about to say, <laughs> you like to. <laughs> I mean, do weird shit. But let's really like put a pin in that real quick, and and let's talk about that for a moment. What are the odds that I'm just going to run into someone who loves to have sex with dead bodies just like me? Like, I, I'm assuming, I'm hoping that's a rare trait to have. It's almost like the dark stars aligned at that point. Like That's, isn't, but it, am I wrong? Is it like rare? Bundy meeting Dahmer and becoming best friends. Yeah. It's literally what it's like. Because a serial killer is rare. A necrophiliac and the, a necrophiliac serial killer is even more rare. So you're two of them are going to be at the same soup kitchen and fall in love. Hey, buddy, what do you like to do for fun? I fuck dead people after I kill them. <laughs> you too? Me too, bro. <laughs> Let's have a bromance. Like, what the fuck? Oh, God. I wouldn't. I, I would First almost, of all, how does that come up in conversation? Like, what do you like to do? Oh, I think it came up I like pretty to quick. Fuck dead people no after pun I kill intended, them. but. Anyways, so they found out that they had a lot in common. And you have to admit that their childhoods are both riddled with just a lot of similarities. So well, that makes sense. It was an instant and firm bond. I like, say, that firm. makes sense. They start talking, they start talking childhoods. Like, my childhood was bad. And they start talking, and they're like, holy shit, our childhoods are so similar and so fucked up. Yeah. 
The new couple were so enamored with each other that Otis offered Henry a place to stay with him in Jacksonville. The pair crashed at Otis's mother's house, the mother that was so horrifically abusive to him as a child. It's just... Well, I mean, she probably stopped once he hit about six fucking seven. Yeah. I mean, I would. I'd be scared. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably like five years, five, 30. This motherfucker's almost seven feet tall. I, I, I would have stopped. What you want for dinner, honey? <laughs> I'm sorry. So Henry would become a fixture in that household. Allegedly, right after they first met, they committed their first mur- murder together. Allegedly. <clears throat> allegedly. It was at a bar. After more than a few drinks, the pair got into a drunken fight with another patron and his friends that were calling them homophobic slurs. That's what happened. Just a, It was a typical street fight. There were some punches being thrown, nothing too violent, like no weapons or anything. I can almost like see them talking shit and be about to get in a fight, and one of them was like, I'm going to fuck your corpse. And the guy's like, I'm going to fuck you up too. And they're like, no, I'm, I'm really going to fuck your corpse. I'd be like, have a good day, sir. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm really going to. Hope you have a good day, sir. God bless. (laughs) So after the fight had ended and both parties were walking away after like the street fight, it was a brawl. um, One man was dumb enough to try to chase down Otis and Henry. And that would be his last mistake ever. Yep. Otis shot him six times in the face. That's Otis's magic number when he shoots people, by the way. He always shoots someone six times, I noticed. Well, here's a good question on that. Uh, 1970s. I'm willing to bet it is a revolver. I don't know. Which carries six bullets. Oh, so he empties that. Very good, Pat. The way he shoots and the way you've already talked about it, it's almost like a raid shooting. Like he mm-hmm. just pulls the trigger till it stops. Does he have to keep <laughs> No, no, no. Not like not like mine, where it's like the old school Wrangler one. That'd be funny. It's a regular old, probably like a I mean, murder's or not funny. Or something like I, can that. Imagine, just, pro- I can imagine that Otis probably wouldn't know how to use the little Wrangler one. No. Not that I do either, but so allegedly this just made Henry fall in love with Otis. Henry was like, oh my God, you're so hot. You just killed that guy. So hot. You just put six rounds in that dude's face. But (laughs) so uncomfortable. (laughs) But this murder. Six rounds in your face. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I quit. Bye. Leaving. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm like this. I'll put six rounds in your face. <laughs> oh, what the fuck is wrong with me? I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> we are home. That's the problem. <sighs> I quit. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Can I get that t-shirt? I'm not wearing No one will wear that. <laughs> Who wants okay. a free t-shirt? <laughs> How am I supposed to do anything after that one? (laughs) I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyways. So this murder, although brutal, would unfortunately just be child's play when it came to what these guys were capable of. After this murder, the killing couple had now had to escape Jacksonville and put some distance between themselves and their, their crime scene. Yeah. Oops. So their second murder together would be the double homicide of the two young motorists in Texas that we talked about in the introduction oh, that I'm open, sure you all remember. Yeah, the opening one, yeah. Yeah. As a refresher, in case you don't remember. I don't, don't want to refresh. Just real refresh. quick, the two motorists, a young couple, were stranded after having car issues on the side of the road, and Otis and Henry spotted them. Otis shot and brutalized the male, and um, Henry assaulted the young girl before killing her as well. 
just awful. And I also hate that I don't have names for them. We don't have names for them. Well, because again, it's not all proven stuff. This is going off of right uh, Henry's t- stories, basically. But let's add another layer of depravity to the story, shall we? How we don't we don't have enough With, yet. Without my humor, how we don't have enough depravity. What would make it worse? Just just dig into the dark corners of your mind. No, never mind. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm scared of what you'll say. <laughs> you sure you want that to happen? No, I don't. What What would be the worst case scenario in this? Eating people. I, I'm, yeah, that wouldn't be good either. But worse. <laughs> so remember when I said Henry and Otis were staying at Otis's mother's back in Florida? Yeah. Well, also in that house were Otis's nine-year-old nephew Frank Powell and his eleven-year-old niece Frida Lorraine Powell. Both Otis and Henry have claimed that during the brutal double rape and homicide of those motorists in Texas, those two young children were present in the vehicle with them, Frank and Frida. Henry and Otis also claimed that the two young children were present when they committed yet another horrific homicide in Oklahoma during their travels. Will they just fucking take these kids with them? Yeah. No one You'll see why in a bit. Okay. Um... Another stranded motorist looking for help on the side of the road in Oklahoma, a young woman. This one's very important to help convict Henry in the future. Just so listen to me when I'm talking. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I have to? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. I do. So although this is speculative, there was, in fact, a body matching Henry's description of murdered female motorists found on the side of the road. The time her body was discovered also matched the time frame that Henry and Otis claimed this attack happened, which was October of 78 or 79. I found both years equally mentioned when researching this case. The state of her body was horrific. So fair warning here. Okay. The The female was found in a state of undress and she had multiple stab wounds. There was a gash running down her midsection from her throat to her genitals. Even more grisly, her nipples had been removed. So I pray that those two children didn't bear witness to this crime. (laughs) I I mean, I, I just can't even imagine if they did. I hope not. But there is one reason that many, including the authorities, believe that Henry and Otis did, in fact, commit this crime. And that is orange socks. I know. Oh. Bear with me. Well, please fucking enlighten me on this one. But Henry would later mention in his confession that his victim was wearing orange socks. And guess what color socks were found on her remains? Blue. (laughs) Pink. Just kidding. It was orange. Oh, Oh, damn. But we're going to get into that later in part two. Cool. And um, because that's actually, it's big on its own. Do I think he did it? No, I don't think he could have. So... Anyway, we'll figure yeah, that one it's out crazy. Because it, you're going to leave us all wondering now. I know. But for now, just for a little bit, let's pause on Otis and Henry's crimes and touch on something that is really just gut-wrenching. <laughs> Are you ready? What? <laughs> so Otis and Henry were traveling, committing all these horrible crimes with little Frank and Frida, right? Yeah. Well, 42-year-old Henry, he's 42. Yeah. Met Frida when she was 11. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And immediately after meeting her at nine, he started to groom her. And he claimed they were in love. 
And I refuse to. Fuck that. Yeah. Refuse to even Fuck say that's true. That. He even changed her name to Becky because he, quote, liked that better. So she started going by Becky. So to sum this up, Henry and Otis are lovers. Henry is molesting Becky, and Otis knows it. And nine-year-old Frank is there as well. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, let me guess, Otis turns his attention to Frank? No, but okay. no, Henry and Otis are like together almost, but so are Otis, or so are Becky and Henry. At nine and 42. Gonna, I thought you were going to say that Otis was going to turn his turn attention to the nine-year-old. Not that we... No, he's super focused on Henry. So he lo- he's obsessed with Henry. Like, that's his world. So they are all traveling together in this really weird, fucked-up love triangle. And those two babies are witnessing all those crimes. She, They are witnessing these crimes. Yeah, they're doing it right in front of them. They're hiding this, this shit. This is not a murder van. This is a car. Like, the kids were in the car when they pulled up. Yes. Shot these motherfuckers from the car, got out, yes. defiled their body, defiled the corpse, raped the woman, and then killed her. Mm. So, this is absolutely the most horrible, effed up, disgusting, disturbing situation I could even conjure up this. I couldn't even conjure up this scenario. And, and a bad dream. Like, it's just awful. Yeah. And in my research, I have read that 11-year-old Becky had fallen deeply in love with Henry, but I refuse to believe that, and I refuse to report that because... He, she was groomed. The, in this case, an 11-year-old was groomed, abused, and brainwashed by a 42-year-old yeah, sex pervert. 100%. Even if she says she was in love Period. With him, she was abused and groomed, and that, that was not real. <laughs> At icing on the cake, Henry even later claimed in his confession that Becky seduced him. Which makes me just physically want to vomit. Fucking nine-year-old seducing Mm. 40-year-old man. That shit's fucking ridiculous. I'll tell you that. I hate him so much. Ugly piece of shit. And to make the situation even worse, I know that's unimaginable, but both little Frank and Becky were considered very slow mentally. Yeah. Like everybody else in the story. So they were serious fucking inbreeding going on in these families. So they were easily manipulated at an age where they needed guidance and a lot of care and it's just sick i'm telling you there's inbreeding in both these families there's bound to be thankfully however in their travels the authorities started to notice this motley crew of four i mean there's two strange men traveling with two small children so you got one-eyed mick stinky (laughs) six foot eight weirdo and two random little kids Mm -hmm. just traveling around the world and it started to raise some alarm bells which good good so both children were soon taken away from Henry and Otis and sent back to live with their mother, Otis's sister. Because remember, Otis is yeah, their I'm uncle. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how the fuck they had him in the first place. Great, right? Like, they're back home. Yeah, no, they probably want to go back to the fucking... No. In 1981, Otis's sister hung herself, and those two babies found her body. This is... It's too much. It's way too much for two little souls to endure. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just it. like... I mean, it's it's so much, <laughs> and they're just so little, nine and what? eleven. Mm. So, anyways, after they found their mother, the authorities placed Frank and Becky into the Florida Department of Health and Rehabilitation Services emergency shelter. However, Becky escaped on January third, nineteen eighty-two, and guess who helped her? I'm gonna go with McStinky. Her rapist, who was obsessed with her, Henry One Eye Lucas. And what goes down after this, guys, is beyond mind-boggling. So, guys, I want you to prepare yourself for cults, more crimes, 
famous murders, and lots of screwing up on the authorities' parts. But you're going to have to wait until next week for part two. You suck. Because I think I have done enough emotional damage to you for one week. You have. You mean, yeah, you fucking damaged my brain right now. I don't know much more I could take, but I want to know more. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm I'm saving some of the best for last, so. How the fuck is that possible? <laughs> well, yeah. It's not no, good, is it? One-eyed Winky over here fucking reign in terror. Mm-hmm. I, I'm at a loss for words, and that's rare. Yeah, I'm I'm really tired of them. I'm excited to this had now you see why this had to be a two parter. We could do just all a whole part just on their childhood alone. We basically did almost. Uh, and you have to. Yeah. Like you have to know who you're dealing with. Well, I mean, it sets the stage for so many things. Why they're so close, why mm-hmm. they're the same way, why they vibe together, why they're so fucked up. Yeah. And oh my god, it's just researching this just makes you physically just like that gut sinking feeling. I can always tell because throughout the week when you're doing your research and putting these things together, you're in a weird mood. Mm -hmm. You're very distant. And I'm like, and then you start telling me the story. I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's why you weren't all fucking sparkles and unicorns. I mean, who would be? Yeah. That's why you have to like to research this stuff, even though I love researching this stuff to really get into the, I love watching documentaries and stuff, but to really get into like the, you really got to meat and potatoes. It. You really got to set aside. It. It's you almost got to set aside. Your it humanity. makes you sick. You have to set aside your humanity almost. You almost have to like, you know, like back in some of the stuff I dealt with being a cop. You really have to take yourself out of it. And, you d- you definitely. Do. I mean, I'm not in that. You got to remove. This the, is by choice, so I, I just want to let everyone know I do this for fun. <laughs> but you have to remove your personality and your feelings from it and just dive into it, and then it's like a blessing when you can be done with it and go back to being normal. Oh, it is for sure. I'm excited for the prison reform thing week after next. Yeah, I like those. I, li- I like those. I like some of the other ones we do because it gives you and me, you a break mainly, but it also gives me a break from listening to this fucking damn necrophile fucking nasty shit. There, there are so many of them that we cover that are necrophiliacs. What? I didn't know this. I knew all these serial killers. Why are they all fuck dead people? They all do. It's, it's so, so weird. weird. It's crazy. Jinx. <laughs> Buy me a Coke. <laughs> you can't jinx me on a podcast and it's just boring and I don't talk. No. And I don't say dumb shit like six rounds of the face or whatever. Anyways. Yeah, that's all I got for you today. That episode drained me. I need to go and watch the hills. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, she did say the hills. We're talking <laughs> MTV's The Hills from circa 2002. That was my one of my favorite shows back in the day. And I watched that. Just put it on in the background while I'm researching. I'm not talking shit because I'm going to go play World of Warcraft. I'm a dork. Yeah. So I can't talk too much. Either that or maybe watch Mayans because I'm fucking super hooked on that right now. Okay. You do that. I'll watch The Hills. <laughs> so I, didn't, I didn't give it a chance when it first came out after Sons. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. The Mayans is a show, by the way. About a biker gang. It's like the... Uh, uh, Sons of Anarchy spinoff. Sons of Anarchy spinoff. That's right. So you saw Sons of Anarchy... With, um, fuck is his name? Jax. What, we named our dog after? Charlie Hunnam. Our um, bulldog is Jackson Teller. We literally named him after Jackson, yeah. Yeah, his name is Jackson Teller. And if we, we even, we even said if we got an English bulldog, we're going to name him Opie. Yeah. So. We should do that. Okay, well, I'm going to go watch The Hills, so bye. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm tired after that. I'm exhausted after that. I don't fucking blame you. 
That yeah. shit's ridiculous. I don't, if people ever think I'm like really not, not acting like this affects me, please don't think that because it does. <laughs> it does. Trust me. I can vouch for the fact that it affects every single time. But, um, yeah. So I will see you back here same time next week. Guys, thank you all so much for your support. It means literally more than you will ever know. Yep. And please share us. And we love y'all. Continue to out. share us. You know, like if you said, will, if you want to. If you don't, fine. That's fine. Twitter, Evil Pudding Pod. Instagram, mm-hmm. Evil Pudding Pod. Facebook, Evil Pudding Podcast. I believe. Facebook's just pod. So the Instagram's Evil Pudding Podcast. Facebook and Twitter, Evil Pudding Pod. Mm-hmm. We love y'all, man. And if you don't want to share us, if you just like want to chat or something, DM us on Instagram. We usually reply. Yes, so. DM us on Instagram. Case recommendations. On our if link you got tree, a story, there's a case recommendation awesome. thing. Yeah. Hit it up. That's how we ended up meeting Tracy and talking about his story. We've yeah. done two episodes with Tracy. We love to talk to you guys. We do. So and we love your feedback. If you guys say stop doing necrophiles, we will stop. If you say Patrick's stupid, don't let him do any more cryptid episodes. Agreed. I'm just kidding. No. We'll happily let that one stop. I like your cryptid episode. I loved it. But I gotta give us a break from all the death and dismemberment. We got that next week. No, next week. Next is, week after next. Sorry. Yeah, we got some prison, but there, there's gonna be some death and some funky mm-hmm. shit in there because it's. Mm-hmm. A really bad prison. I'll put it that way. I like it. One of the most famously bad prisons ever. Good. Okay. And it's not Alcatraz. Good. Anyway. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you back here same time next week. Be good to each other. We love y'all. Bye.